Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. A couple of things that I should probably say for our listeners is disclaimer: uh, is please drink responsibility and nothing that you uh, responsibility. Please drink responsibly, and nothing on here should ever be uh, confused with actual medical advice. We're as close to doctors as Tim is to having a job. To the latest edition of Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the TailgateSociety.com. As per usual, I am Aaron Wall, joined tonight by JT Nutt and Mr. Tim Johnson. We have an industry expert from a side of the business that we haven't had on the pod yet, so this should be a good one. And Tim, tell us all about him. Uh, we are very excited to have Phil Pomazano on the podcast for us. He is, uh, well, first of all, you can also go ahead and find him as one of the three on his podcast at United We Drink. Uh, I'll let him go and talk a little bit about that as well. But he is also on the sales side for that Canarchy group that we have talked about in previous podcasts. So, uh, Oscar Blues and uh, the Dales that we had, and then the the Highlight that we had as well, and we've mentioned some of the other brands in that family. But uh, Phil can go ahead and tell us a little bit more about that. But Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. And industry expert, I assume, is a very loose term with you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, we call Tim an expert, so oh, every, okay, yeah, everybody yeah, else I fit in fine too. then. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys for having me. Oh, happy to have you. Um, so, if you if you don't mind, give us uh, just a, a brief, you know, ten or fifteen seconds of kind of what you do and what your job entails. So, I uh, I'm the Southeast Regional Director for Canarchy Brands, uh, covering Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Um, home market for Cigar City Brewing Company, uh, based out of Tampa, Florida. Um, Canarchy is consisting of seven, uh, the Canarchy Craft Brewery Collective consists of seven breweries around the United States, um, Perrin, uh, Squatters, Wasatch, uh, Three Weavers, Oscar Blues, Cigar City, and, uh, Deep Ellum out of Texas, um, and uh, the collective works together, uh, sort of pulls resources and tries to lift everybody above, helps out with distribution, production, et cetera. Yeah, cool. So I, I kind of first got introduced to Canarchy when, when we did Highly on the pod. And it's because to go find it, I found it in a mix pack uh, from Canarchy, which was awesome uh, because it had uh, 
three weavers. Was it expatriate? I'm trying to work off of memory here. Yeah, expat, uh, deep LM IPA, yeah. highlight, and uh, can of bliss. I believe. Yeah, can of bliss. Yep, that yeah. was it. So, and that that pack was, you know, it was nice to be able to not have to go buy a, a complete six pack to try something new, but to get a mix of it was was pretty sweet, especially from different breweries as opposed yeah. to just being a mix pack from the same brewery. That mix pack's really unique because only a handful of breweries have the ability to even do something like that where they can mix in three other breweries and uh, toss in flagships from their actual breweries to showcase sort of the best of the best of what they do. Um, I, I personally like that uh, mix pack a lot because I'm a big fan of IPAs. Um, after some listening of the pod, I understand IPAs are... You know, a touch and go thing here. Uh, sort of forced upon uh, you guys to drink, but um, I, I I do like that mix pack in particular. I thought it was a really unique spin to what craft breweries can do right now. Aaron is actually getting more accustomed to IPAs, learning that you know hops have a place in beer. I think Aaron, are you still you're drinking Racer Five right now, right? I am. I'm, right? I'm into my third racer five of the uh, evening here. This is going to be a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, just based <laughs> off of the racer five scale that we're working on here. Yeah. So I went, I bought, I don't know. I had like a hundred bucks worth of basically IPAs delivered to the house from a, for this pod, because I had to go find our beer, which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, that we're doing for the pod. Um, but in order to do that, I was like, well, I mean, if I'm going to have it delivered, I might as well stock the fridge. So, you know, Racer 5 and, oh, what a Wolf Pup from some of, you know, there's a bunch of West Coast IPA stuff that I picked up along the way. That So, yeah, I've been weeding my way through some of that. Uh, Fort George Vortex was the first one I tried it. It was really piney. Very, it was like what I used to imagine all IPAs being like super bitter, really piney. I was not, not a huge fan of that, but you know, well, I'm getting, I, there. I understand Aaron in, in, uh, in Washington state that you're probably struggling with IPAs. They're, they're, they're still pretty new to out there. They don't really know a whole lot about, <laughs> <laughs> about those hops or anything like that. So you, you're, you're cutting your teeth and I get that and that's fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> You know, that region does really well with noble hops and, you know, they just, <laughs> they go very simple. They go, they try and just shoot straight down more malt based beers. They don't right. want to, you know, sort of go crazy with the, the, the piney, uh, aromas <laughs> or flavors. Mm hmm. Yeah. What, what are you drinking tonight, Phil? Uh, I'd actually just finished up a interstellar haze paradox from a local brewery down here in South Florida, tripping animals, uh, hazy IPA. Uh, it, honestly, these guys are putting out some of my favorite beers out of South Florida, um, between them and another small brewery invasive species out of Fort Lauderdale. I think, you know, some of the best beer coming out, you guys were sort of knocking on Florida beer, uh, on one of the pods that I was listening to. Um, and, and we're putting out some good beer, you know, um, you just got to try the right things, I think. Uh, so. Well, with names like invasive species and tripping animals, I don't know why I wouldn't <laughs> think you can't go wrong. I, I yeah, mean, I both suppose. of them, you know, you just sort of go down that rabbit hole of, uh, fun times. So, so do they, do they just name, uh, 
all their beers after animals that people have released into the wild that aren't supposed to be there. Uh, Python, the can art. Um, yeah, the can <laughs> art is actually invasive species like animal <laughs> yeah. skins. It's it's very creative, um, both in sea and land. So uh, really cool artwork. And then the tripping animals guys have these like all their animals look like they're just baked out of their mind. They have like just glazed over eyes um, and their can art's really cool, too. So but they're Miami. Th- they're they're high on on hops. Yeah, right. Life, uh, Tim. Sure. High on life. Hops. Come on. Uh, of course. Not like say bath salts, where they're eating a guy's face under an overpass. <laughs> no, Florida, that's man. that's more of like the uh, the further uh, east Florida. side of Miami, um, <laughs> not the western side of Miami. Uh, so over over where the Miami Heat play. So, uh, uh, <laughs> funny story. I was actually. I didn't realize until after the fact. I was down in Miami to go to uh, a family member's high school graduation, and where we were staying, Kim's older brother had taken me out uh, for the night before. We hit it up a little hard, and where we were staying and where the closest like Walgreens or CVS was uh, was walking over the overpass that that was underneath, and so I was going to get myself some Pedialyte and Imodium. And, <laughs> and then as we were driving away, we heard the story like breaking on the radio. And I was like, oh, shit, that was underneath me. I was I was hungover and a guy was getting his face eaten right underneath me at the time. Yes, that uh, it actually happened. And uh, yeah, almost, it, I had real life zombies in Miami. I the, that. Don't do bath salts, kids. Don't do bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that's like the most white guy thing ever, that you're going to get Pedialyte and Modium. Like the only thing <laughs> you're missing was like Preparation H and some Gold Bond. Well, I could have got some mayonnaise. That would have helped. Yeah, oh, God, well, no. <laughs> yeah. Is that your hangover remedy? Uh, because I, th- I think hangover remedies are really underrated, uh, specifically in the sales industry. Actually, just in the beverage industry in general. Um, is is it Imodium and Pedialyte? Is that what is that your concoction? Uh, it's it's not something that I have to go to regularly, but the type of like, you know, real drinking like it in uh, in the other guys when he's like, you're drinking with Terry Hoyt tonight. We did like that type of drinking that night, and then I was just afraid that I wasn't going to be able to take the car ride because we went down for the graduation and then we drove to key west and i'm like i know i'm gonna be stuck in this car for ever since that's not a a quick ride and there's not exits on you know bridges a mile long uh and i'm like i don't want to shit my pants in the car uh so i need the emodium and i really just need to get some sort of electrolytes back into my system because i lost them all so yeah if I could one-up it just a little bit, trade in your Imodium for a little bit of Midol. Sounds really weird. Um, but I, I, Midol is great. Not only it helps with the nausea, but it also helps. There's a little bit of aspirin in there as well. So you, you just sort of, it, it's like uh, leveling up or powering up just a little bit more. So uh, Pedialyte and Midol, that's mine. So. Oh, I, I, I like that. I think that's a that's a good uh, regimen. I think this, that's not a... a a topic that we've broached, but JT, what is your go-to hangover cure? 
usually I just try to get some Gatorade in me. Uh, I'm not a big Pedialyte guy, just never really got into it. But then I usually try to get some sort of greasy food, too. Uh, but actually, my hangovers, I just sleep as much as I can. Because when I'm usually when I'm hungover, it's on the weekends. I got nothing to do. Uh, not working, no kids. Uh, cats will wake me up. As they're right there. But I just put up the baby gates and go back to bed. But yeah, usually I like to go get some bacon. Some uh, I love hash browns on a hangover. Because it's just good and flavorful. But yeah, just Gatorade and a shit ton of aspirin. I usually don't get. I, I usually just get really bad headaches. I don't really get the whole upset stomach thing, but I no, I get the whole idea of I got to put some grease on this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I I used to live close to uh, like walking distance to a greasy spoon that I loved going down and getting just like the greasiest eggs and hash browns and like even the toast is dripping in grease. It's it, perfect. I get They're, it. The, like breakfast should be greasy. Gre- uh, like honestly, if your if your breakfast isn't greasy, why are you even breakfasting? Yeah, yeah. I, I, like even my Lucky Charms, greasy. <laughs> um, I, Just but... kills the head retention on the. <laughs> <I> mean, shit. <laughs> right, right. I mean, greasy hash browns are going to go into a mash bill at some point here. Uh but. Uh, Aaron, you're also old. You're you're even older than me. Uh, <laughs> I am. The one I will say this, and you guys will laugh and think that I don't drink a lot, but you guys know better by now. Yeah. The one time I've ever would had what I would call a real hangover, like where my body hurt the next day, that you know that kind of a hangover. I was in college, and I mostly just slept most of the day. Um, yeah. even, even then the morning after I drank the entire bottle of whiskey oh, on our zoom call, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I didn't hurt like that. Um, I, I slept a bit that day cause I was, was tired and I had to catch up, but at 42 and two weeks into taking blood pressure medicine, I thought I handled that pretty well. I, I uh, was impressed. You, <laughs> I mean, that was, you polished off that thing. Uh, yeah. Whole bottle. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember that day. That was uh, actually freshman year of Visha Thursday. Oh, God, Visha. I drank a, uh, most of a bottle of Black Velvet straight, just oh, taking geez. shots in about two and a half hours, and then went to bed. <laughs> and I had a seven or had an eight o'clock uh, class on Friday morning. Yeah, so I go? woke up at about seven and fell out of my loft, still drunk, and then went to the shower and threw up in the shower and then went to class it? and then slept the rest of the day until about 430 because it was my only class of the day and then got up and went to my brother's uh, party that he was having at his house because he was a senior that year when I was a freshman <laughs> at Iowa State. So I went to his his apartment and started partying again. So, uh, Phil, you, you might not be familiar with this, but at I, Iowa State used to have the largest student-run celebration in the country. 
Okay. Uh, and like, I'm not, that's not hyper, like hyperbole that it was the largest student run. It was supposed to be a celebration of the university. All the clubs would have things. There was a big parade, all the different Greek colleges. system would have things, all the different colleges would have things, huge celebration of the university. Um, but starting back in the late eighties, it really turned into, uh, Let's just find an excuse to party for an entire week. Sounds Riot, fun. yeah, riots started happening uh, in the late nineties. A guy got stabbed on the front that, lawn of, of. That was our freshman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you that, guys are talking that about Iowa, sound. not Florida, right? Because Iowa, well, this is starting to sound like Florida. <laughs> it's 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 yes. Uh, Visha is the Florida man of of college celebrations. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was so yeah, I, I'm like yeah. I, I only had one class on Friday, which was at noon, and I did not make it that year. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, I had the one at eight that that year on Friday, and that was I went got extra credit for showing up because only there was only forty of us in the class, and I think eight <laughs> of us showed up. <laughs> and I had my sunglasses on the whole time, and the teacher was like, "Wall." Uh, did you have a little too much fun last night? Yeah, maybe. Like, I've seen 80s movies. I understand maybe. what that means. Never mind the fact that the <laughs> sunglasses are on inside. So, Aaron, I'm I saying your hangover remedy is hair of the dog. Night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say that. That's it. I mean, it's hair of the dog. You're just going right dog. back I mean, in. I said, I. it's incredible all the insane amounts of booze I've drank over the years and not had just not be a hangover person. I mean, I like JT talked about, I'll get the headache, you know, but I don't really call that a hangover because I'm not, not functional. I mean, I'm perfectly functional. It's just a bit of a dull headache. That's not uncommon. If I drink like a 12 pack or a 24 pack of beer in a day. I, um, I think, I think just your general, uh, equilibrium, your general lifestyle is already, kind of where everyone else's slight hangover is in general. So I don't know that you would notice the difference really. That's possible. You can't get hungover if you have if you're never not drunk. <laughs> That's true. I mean words of wisdom. Right there. I, my liver hasn't objected yet, so I don't see any reason to change. There was one time I got just hammered drunk at Soli's Irish pub right by my house. And I know I got sick that night. I know I got sick and then I passed out. I'm like, did I do it in the toilet? No. Did I do it in the sink? No. Couldn't find it until like three days later. I found out that I puked <laughs> in my bedside garbage bin and it had been marinating for three days. So it's one of those old 10 things you used to get at like the, you know, pro image or whatever. The, you know, whatever team you've got, you know, a little aluminum can. So, yeah, I definitely just threw, took that outside, threw it away and bought a new one. But my God, you think that smell is bad after one day? Three uh, days of marinating. How did you oh, not yeah. smell it after two days? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Was it allergy season? Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you bring up an interesting point a little bit, JT, that I think that's probably, in reality, that's my hangover cure, is that I'm not adverse to throwing up the night before. No, that's like, sometimes the best At the, the best end of the night when I'm done partying, throwing up is not a big deal to me. So maybe I just get it out, and that's why I don't end up with a hangover. I don't sleep with it all night. Yeah, no, that, that's um, now I don't do that thing. very often. 
But is, is, I did the I did the night I drank the bottle of whiskey I threw out before I went to bed. Um, but that was in a four. What was we, that? Three hours? Oh, yeah, that was three hours. Yeah. Yeah. An entire <laughs> bottle in three hours is still pretty quick. Yeah. A bottle of four roses in three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. No, I, I like how you're like, I don't get hungover. I just have an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drinking disorder. I only do that when I drink. You oh, like a teenage Lord. girl. So yeah, yeah. I don't force myself to do it. My body just says, "Oh, it's time to go to bed." Okay, you probably had too much today. That's actually not a bad thing, because basically at that point, that much alcohol is just poisoning your system. So you get that out. It's actually more healthy than just letting it sit there and marinate for. I was, I was a big proponent of 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and a couple of glasses of water before I went to bed. Too. Yep. Well, that's all, all hangover is. All the headache is just you're dehydrated. That's why you get a headache. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I was I was a big fan of the, the prevention side of it, too. So I mean, your liver doesn't work anymore, but that's an entirely different thing. It absolutely does work. It's <laughs> got a full-time job. It's got overtime with, with a shift differential. I don't know if you know uh, this, but liver will regrow. It's okay. Yes, it will. Uh, okay. Uh, but so a couple of things that I should probably say for our listeners is disclaimer uh, is please drink responsibility and nothing that you uh, responsibility. Please drink responsibly and nothing on here should ever be uh, confused with actual medical advice. No, we're yeah, not doctors. Fair. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron is not a doctor. He has not played one on TV. We're as uh, close to we're as close to doctors as Tim is to having a job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. Uh, yeah, it doesn't even hurt. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so, Phil, we didn't just bring you on the podcast so we could talk about bad decisions. Um, uh, though right shame. now you're you're probably thinking that it was a bad decision to come on here, but uh, you talked briefly about uh, what you do. Uh, with Canarchy, you talked a little bit about Canarchy. I'd like to know a little bit more about how you got into the industry, uh, what your path was, and how it's gotten to the point you're at now. I I, I believe you started off with just Cigar City before like all that changed. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, I uh, I I was a beer blogger, which is also known as an opinionated asshole, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> at least way, way, way beyond. Uh, back in like two thousand eight, two thousand, uh, yeah, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I started a beer blog, and tried to take like a fun spin on the beer industry in particular. Um, not trying to take things too seriously. Uh, got a crack uh, with uh, into the industry with Cigar City Brewing Company in 2011. Um, ended the beer blog uh, because it became a profession for me. Um, and worked with Cigar City from the very early years of that brewery sort of growing and developing. Um, ended up taking about a year and a half hiatus from the brewery itself uh, to run a brewery in South Florida by the name of Barrel of Monks. Uh, sort of did operations, marketing, uh, janitorial services, literally just about anything around the brewery, uh, with the exception of warp production. Mm-hmm. Um, after about a year and a half, uh, got a phone call from one of my old uh, co-workers and basically said like, hey, uh, you know, as you know, Oscar Blues and Cigar City sort of partnered up. We'd love to see you come back. 
what do you think about coming back and sort of heading up our, our Florida team and potentially, you know, working into that southeastern role? Um, couldn't say no. I, my heart's always been at Cigar City. I was a fan. I'm from Tampa, Florida, born and raised. Um, it, it, hometown brewery, uh, you know, Cigar City for Florida has done a ton. Uh, you know, you look at sort of the spider web that Cigar City has spread throughout the state of Florida in particular within the brewing industry, craft beer side, uh, even on the sales side. Uh, someone, it, it's like three degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon with Cigar City in the state of Florida. So sure. it, you know, really, really cool to be able to come back home, uh, work with these guys for the past three, four years and uh and see the changes that uh partnering up with a brewery like oscar blues which i was always a fan of uh, always a big fan of dales in particular uh sorry aaron um and um <laughs> it wasn't a bad beer it's- <laughs> dales actually a really good dude too um but uh it, you know to be able to come back and and work with those guys and see what a collective of at that point in time there were only i think four breweries tied into it uh and then seeing um you know several others coming in at five breweries uh four other breweries at that point in time and then seeing two others come into the uh the collection and 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 seeing how the growth of the company and uh the shared resources actually benefit um you know from very very small simple beginnings with cigar city brewing in 2011 to where we are present day Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's been something where those brands separately, at least the ones that, you know, I've been familiar with, I'd been familiar with Perrin, um, just because I have friends in in Michigan and, you know, certainly familiar with Cigar City. Uh, Yeah, I have maybe been less than kind to to Florida breweries uh, on the podcast before, but uh, knowing that that was something where I I knew I was going to get a good experience, uh, anytime I'm down in Florida, I, I knew that I could certainly trust that. And, and uh, Oscar Blues has been one of those breweries. I've I've been to, uh, you know, both Colorado locations. I haven't made it uh, to to Asheville yet, but I like it's just something that that was one of those original uh, uh, craft breweries that I got into. So it's it's been uh, interesting to see the the diversity of of breweries that kind of came into the collective there so it's not it's not that they're not like-minded but they're very they're still very unique and have different approaches and 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 you know anything from from again colorado to florida to to michigan maybe it's militia based i think <laughs> thinking of it's, those states now that i say that <laughs> it's really interesting to sort of see because it, every brewery does come in and and for the most part the the original owners of the breweries are still pretty active um on the you know even on a, like a day to day they're still around like Joey Redner for us and in, in in Tampa it is still around you know Joey stills interactive with the cigar city team um the cultures of the individual breweries still exist which and you might not necessarily hear that from somebody that's brand new into it because they're not as familiar as what the culture was say back in 2011 when you know there were 15 of us 20 of us running around the brewery and you know just literally trying to sell every single case that we possibly could um 
that culture is still there. The, the the Tampa heritage of Cigar City Brewing Company is there. That that pride of being Florida is there. Um, you know, same thing when you look at Perrin. They're still there. You know, Oscar Blues very much so has that like, hey, we're we are what we are. We don't necessarily need to fit in that box and we're proud of it. And that's it. You know, the Oscar Blues has that approach. Three Weavers has their own approach. It's it's really cool to see every individual brewery and the collective still have their own, um, still operate very much so independently. But then when necessary, we all can lean back on each other and really utilize the strengths off of purchasing powers, uh, distribution networks, things of that nature to get better. Um, it it's it's a really it, the <laughs> corporate word is synergy, and I'm using air quotes <laughs> on that one. It's You're like it's this, cool as hell. Yeah, <laughs> it's really really cool to see that work. So, no, I I, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, uh, the last brewery I was at, we we had an alt prop and just the economies of scale that you get with other breweries, uh, can be huge and, and give you equipment and resources and access that you wouldn't have otherwise it allows it it even opens up conversation with distribution where you walk in and you say hey you know you guys are doing a great job with oscar blues we you know really like to open up this state with say cigar city um Mm -hmm. are you interested in bringing in somebody like highlight you're walking in already knowing what that partner can do for you um or, or or how they interact with you so for us on the sales side, it it's a world of resources. Adversely, if you want to entertain somebody else, you have the experience with that wholesaler at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. I I can say in my you know four years with this brewery, we basically open up our states aligned where we are. You know, um, we have great partners around the United States with wholesalers. Um, our chain team is, I, I literally would put our chain team toe to toe against any other chain team, Sam Adams, Sierra Nevada, any of those guys. Um, we have a very unique approach to things because we still view ourselves as, you know, a pretty small entity. We're, we're seven small breweries acting as one large piece. So it's cool. It's a, it's a fun team to be part of for sure. Yeah, and you know, like Aaron had mentioned, the the mix pack I, that's got to be a great way to introduce new people to those brands that they wouldn't otherwise get, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of reason for Aaron and Everett, Wisconsin, to be worried about a brewery in Tampa, Tampa, Florida, but to be able to get introduced to that through a, a mix pack like that, that also has to be able to work wonders for you as a salesperson. So you, you're, you know. So director of a pretty big region, right? So even though you guys might have uh, reached there, those number of states still have a lot of differences in what people are looking for. And to, to be able to have a, a, a portfolio of brands rather than just trying to, to, to sell one particular ethos or, or you know, kind of brand identity, uh, that has to be, I would think, something that, that's great for you. 
Yeah, I, I, I think he hit it on the head because when you look at, you know, the needs in Mississippi versus the needs in Florida or the needs in Georgia versus honestly, even the needs in Alabama um, or South Florida versus Central or North Florida, you know, you're talking completely different things. And it, when you walk in and you have a portfolio, it it's almost with the collective, it's almost like you're walking in as a wholesaler. Yeah. Um, where, where you have a portfolio. Okay. So you don't want the IPA that's available in your grocery store. No problem. We have this IPA that's not available in your grocery store. Um, you want your top selling IPA. No problem. We have highlight. Um, you want the OG, you know, craft beer. All right. We got Dale's sitting over here. Uh, we now have seltzers, you know, so I can offer you a seltzer line. I, you know, with wild basin, um, soon to be cigar city you know, seltzer. Um, there's, there's so many different things and different avenues that we can take our sales approach, which honestly makes it fun. You look at something like that mix pack at three weavers is a super tiny brewery based out of Inglewood, California. They are killer expat. I, in my opinion is one of my favorite beers. Uh, they put out some of the best damn beer and if it wasn't for that mix pack, there's no way that I would be able to get it down here in Florida. Um, and I, I think it's just really cool. Everybody in craft wants something that they can't get. Yeah. That's where that package plays. Yeah. yeah that, and that, that was, was my favorite in that pack. Awesome. Um, and highlight, I was right there too. It was really good. Uh, my neighbor, on the other hand, who is what you'd call a snob when it comes to beer, his favorite was the can of bliss, the deep Ellum. Uh, so it's, it's, it was interesting cause he'd never had that. I grew, I lived in Texas for nine years, so I was familiar with deep Ellum. Um, but, uh, you know, so it was interesting to see that, that, that the, the expat, you, you know, yeah, like you said, you'd no, I'd never heard of them. I mean, and I would have never heard of them probably, or at least not for a very long time. <laughs> without stumbling across that in the refrigerated section of the beer aisle. So anything you find from those guys, I, it's, I, one of my favorite and delight, easy drinking beers. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough of three weavers in particular. I it's such a great brewery. So we're talking about all these different beers that brings up a question that we ask everyone on the podcast. Everyone who comes on here. You're stranded on a desert island. Uh, you've listened to this, so I'm, I'm assuming you're a little uh, prepared for this one. Uh, but you're stranded on a desert island. What beers are you bringing? You know, uh, this is actually a... If you interview with me uh, for any sales position, this is how I finish all of my interviews. Um, so when you guys... With, the first time I actually listened to the pod, I started laughing um, and my child thought I was crazy, um, which he does <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, so uh, is it a mixed six pack or is it a four pack or is it just a single no, beer? No, like, how are we, we doing say, this? We just say, you know, pick three, four, five, it's, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's, your, it's, it's your desert Island, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a six pack, Let's go just for assume that the, the boat you crashed <laughs> on or the plane that you went down in had a buttload of these beers on it. Because okay. And, and, and a got. Wilson and a Wilson volleyball. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
So um, I am. I, I'm going to start with Gaffel Kolsch, uh, hands down my favorite Kolsch uh, ever. Uh, a beer that we're soon to crack into, Saison de Pont, uh, one of my hands down favorite all time beers. Um, I'm going to go a little snobby and toss a little uh, uh, Cantillon, uh, classic goose. Uh, that's my my. Uh, if I want a romantic date night with myself and Wilson, um, that I'm going to crack <laughs> open that, that Cantillon. Um, I am going to go, I'm going to actually go high low, uh, which is the new low ABV version of high lie. Um, just simply because I can drink more of them. Um, and then I honestly, I gotta go with a wild basin, uh, peach, uh, uh, seltzer. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the seltzer category in particular. Um, there's water in it so I can hydrate while also, uh, dehydrating myself. Um, and I think on an Island, uh, that's the way you, you got to look. So I, I'm gonna that, I, thought the, I thought the high low was for hydrating. Uh, no, 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 no. The seltzer is definitely uh, for the hydration. Uh, you know, the high lows just to give me a little bit of those hops. Are you, uh, you going to be able to get Codner off those stupid chulies? Uh, you know, I've tried, man. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, out of all the seltzers, him and I go back and forth. Our, our third co-host really does not like seltzer at all. Um, he's more into the cider side of, uh, sure. beverages. Um, but Joel and I go back and forth. Uh, you know, Joel was not a fan of the Bud Light seltzers. I actually thought they were pretty good. Um, I, I liked cuveing them, uh, blending the flavors. Um, sure. You know, but uh, he's he's a big Truly guy. I would say if if you had to force my hand, I'm probably more of the White Claw guy um, or Wild Basin. I, I, I do like the Wild Basin. The Cigar City flavors are fantastic, but those won't be out. Uh, limitedly until probably November, December. There's not too much, so we might be leaking something here uh, where Cigar City is jumping into that seltzer game um, and, and you know, releasing some really cool flavors come November, December, late November, early December in, uh, in the Tampa market. You breaking heard it news. here, folks. Yeah, we <laughs> do, 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 that, do, do, do. breaking news. All all ten of our listeners <laughs> are getting uh, a very sneak. This is not the first time we've gotten a sneak we've peek. So that's fantastic. broken news before. Did you did you happen to listen to uh, the episode we did with Neil from uh, uh, Deschutes? No, but I heard I need to because he read the label Black Butte and you guys really enjoyed that from what I <laughs> yes, understand. So yes. um, I, I need to as dig a, a little bit deeper into the the catalog apparently. As, as a guy that's in the sale, you'll appreciate that as a sale, right. the sales side of things, I'm sure. Is that the sales sheet we read and I think Tim's eyes rolled back in his head so far he became the undertaker for a minute? Yes. Yeah, I, well, because it was like, it's like a, a stream on a full day while you're like come on while you while you walk past the honeydews and the honeysuckles and yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't even remember it was it was, pretty, it was incredibly pretentious it was so pretentious i'm surprised that it hasn't become an such iphone app beer. yet uh, yeah it, it really a fa- is a good beer <laughs> it's it is. a fantastic beer and even neil who he's the vice president of marketing and even he's like yeah i don't i don't know how we wrote this <laughs> You know, honestly, uh, the the difference between marketing and sales uh, is very, very, 
very small, um, specifically in craft beer from what I've noticed. So the marketing guys sometimes are just a little bit more creative than the guys in sales. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so as a, as a guy that's in sales as well, I'm sure this happens in your industry too. And how do you, I guess in the beer industry, because it's a perishable item compared to my industry, which it really isn't, we get push from above, uh, you know, Hey, we need to move this X product, this particular thing. Um, I mean, how creative do you have to get sometimes to move those, you know, things that aren't moving, they want to get, get either get out of and get rid of without having to throw it away so they don't take a huge loss on it. I mean, do you see that a lot? Because there's so many new variations of things that may just not take off or whatever. We definitely have seen some brands uh, not do what we expected them to do once they hit the market. Um, it's a little bit different because in, in, in the beverage industry in particular, there's three tiers. So you have this middle tier, this wholesaler that has to buy the product from the supplier and then sell it to the retailer. So it's got to pass multiple hands. So most of the time, it's not... On the supplier side, it's not my immediate boss saying, hey, we got to move this product. It's my wholesaler partners that I work with that are like, hey, just so you know, you know, we're running so close to date codes. Um, you know, this this brand just really didn't take off the way that we thought it would. Hey, what can we do? So at that point in time, you're looking for creative ways to sort of get it out into the market and get it into the hand of the consumer. You know, you're potentially looking at, depending on your state and your state laws, uh, quantity discounts, you're looking at case one deals, you're looking at advertisements, you're looking at case stackers, you're finding ways to incentivize a sales team. Um, there's really not one answer. There, it, it's a multifaceted based off of what is legal and not legal. So you really have to have an understanding, specifically when you're managing multiple states, of what you can and can't do because obviously you don't want to break the law. Um, but there's some really easy ways. There's also, you know, I mean, it, it, being in the beverage industry for so long, there's definitely those spots that, you know, you know the wholesaler uh, can go and drop off a handful of cases and they just disappear. You know, um, they're, they're deeply discounted and people buy them up and they're gone before they go bad. You know, we're not talking milk. You're not going to get sick if you drink an Atticode beer. But at the same time, it's not as intended from the brewery. So, you know, we try and make sure that everything is moved uh, both on out of our warehouses, um, both wholesaler and supplier. But also we want to make sure that we give it enough time on the shelf so that you, the consumer, can pick it up and it not be out of code. Um, because, Tim... You know, here is a prime example of Florida doesn't really do a good job of making craft beer. You may have had a craft beer from Florida that you didn't like that sat on the shelf for, you know, 10 mm -hmm. months more or, you know, six months more. If that's your first crack at a craft beer from Florida and you're getting, you know, oxidized flavors or, you know, any type of off flavor from it being light struck, um, anything. That's your first opinion about a Florida craft beer. You're probably going to have a really bad outlook on what Florida craft beer looks like. So, 
you know, with us at Cigar City, we've always cared from day one to make sure that product is moved as quickly as possible. And uh, luckily, we don't deal with it all too much. But every once in a while, you do come across an issue like that. Oh. That's or, that's also or bad something wheat where... beers, T- JT. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's also something that like uh, as part of a a collective that three weavers can take advantage of, right? A lot of small breweries, you know, the brewery I was at, we were you know five thousand barrels. We weren't huge. We can't do a whole lot of incentive programs, right? We can't do a whole lot of merchandising. We can't do a whole lot of these things that are going to help move the needle uh, on, on, you know, maybe a, a flagging brand or just help do a, a discount because we're already too far into the weeds. So someone like Three Weavers, it's small. And again, I'm not saying that they would struggle, but they don't have the resources in and of themselves to be able to do that. But when they're a part of a group like Canarchy, now all of a sudden they have resources to help them be able to do that. And that is another... Uh, piece of ammo in your arsenal for you to be able to plug and play and adjust and, and, and be able to, to handle a slow mover or a change in the marketplace or those types of things for those brands that otherwise wouldn't be available. Yeah. And there's also the option for, you know, somebody that hasn't already extended themselves out on a national level where we could look, all right, well, we have a ton of excess of X, Y, and Z. Um, it's got a, you know, relatively long shelf life, we can look to open up a few other states. You know, maybe maybe it is time to expand that beer uh, or that brand past, you know, whatever county they're in or whatever state lines they're in or internationally for that. You know, I mean, our international sales team is fantastic at what they do. And it's one guy and he handles everything. It, Jesse's the man. Um, it, it is, it's amazing to sort of see if you're nimble, you can make it happen where you're not having to, your, your foresight is good enough where you're not worrying about product going out of code, um, or too much excess inventory or anything of that nature. So when you're sitting, when you're sitting down with those wholesalers and you're trying to figure out what the next three months looks like, you're juggling a lot of brands at that point too. That's, that's a whole other kind of, I think, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a whole other part to this where it presents a lot of great opportunities for the brewers, but it also adds a whole other layer of complexity for you, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think for sure it does. It, it, but you have to have a comprehension of where you are and what you're doing, uh, just like any industry. You you want to know what you're selling, who you're selling it to, who your target audience is, and honestly, what's hot. If I'm going to go in and try and sell you uh, you know, uh, a double barrel age stout and the peak of summer in Florida, more than likely it's not going to really take off. Um, now if I, you know, am going into an area that is predominantly domestic light loggers, I need to make sure that I'm looking at something right price point, um, easy, approachable beer. Um, maybe not something so hoppy like a Deus Pale Ale, Aaron, um, and, um, <laughs> and, and, and for all of you that are listening to this, go back and listen to that Dale's Pale Ale review. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, you want to make sure that you're putting the right beer in the right account and, and, and the right state because, uh, prioritization of your portfolio really makes sense. And, and really the difference between selling to a retailer and selling to a wholesaler isn't 
very different. Um, it, they're both interested in their business and how they can best suit uh, the needs of their overall either variety or portfolio. I stand by my review, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Everybody has different taste buds. Yes, I mean, it's, it's really yeah, hard when I'm wrong. wrong. I'm right all the time. It's really hard. <laughs> tell me. It's really difficult to be me some days. Some people juggle geese. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose on that note, we should probably take a uh, short commercial break here. Plug our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. Uh, you'll hear about them here in just a second when we run that ad. Um, we will be back with, and uh, I don't even know if I can pronounce it. Tim, what's the beer we're coming back with? Uh, the Saison uh, Dupont. Saison Dupont. When we come back on Bitter Units. Back when I started Dead Eye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great and Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard. And there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. Hey, and welcome back to Bitter Units. Uh, we are into the beer tasting part of the show, as always. I hope you enjoyed that bit from our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. Uh, try their new stuff. Superfood flavors. Acai. Um, what were the other ones? Dragon fruit. Dragon fruit, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I, look I, at I, it at I, DeadeyeBarbecueSauce.com. Apparently they're really good, but if you if you're not into that kind of stuff, the mango and the magnum are incredible. Um, so try Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, DeadeyeBarbecueSauce.com, uh, local e market, or if you're in the Midwest at Fairways and Hy-Vees. Also, make sure you check out the other podcasts on the Tailgate Society. Um, boy, we've got some new ones now, and I've been on the road all week, uh, so I, I'm not even sure what all the new ones are. But sports and corks and culture check and uh we're not that drunk i think is gonna make a comeback um, coming up from what i hear so uh rate review subscribe check all those out uh, we appreciate all the support now uh i'm four beers in of racer five and i am officially ready to try this saison dupont tim mr expert fill us in on what this beer is yeah so i uh, DuPont is a brewery that, while they're only as a brewery or as a brand, uh, maybe 70 years old, the brewery, the farmhouse brewery that they are on in Belgium is from like the mid-1700s. So it's a very old farmhouse brewery. The equipment is probably... 120 years old, uh, like the the copper kettles that they're brewing. So uh, this is, even though they're maybe only a 70-year-old brewery, they are uh, as much of a legacy kind of traditional farmhouse brewery in 
and what you get out of a a, a Belgian brewery. Uh, their house yeast drain has always kind of been one of these lively points of of debate uh, that it might be a blend like all the wild yeast, the the native yeast. Uh, and so what you get out of uh, a beer like this, uh, that's awesome. So a, a saison, we've talked about a saison is just French for season, right? Uh, but the idea with this beer, especially with the yeast they have, is that you get uh, really kind of uh, spicy phenols uh, that and you get a lot of that. Right, I, yeah, I hate spicy. I uh, and but I also don't like that everyone just kind of co- goes to clove and and you know or esters like banana. This is just so more complex to me because of of what they have going on with with the phenols and esters that, that the yeast is producing. Um, man, I'm not doing this justice. This this is a beer that, right. that Phil picked, and I'm very glad that he picked it. Uh, you know, this is something that. When he said, hey, we should drink this, and I was like, hell yeah, we're drinking that beer. I love this beer. Um, bottle condition, so you get a really good bright effervescence that isn't carbonic. It's not super acidic, but it's like a, that good, full, robust effervescence. Uh, Phil, uh, help me out here, man. Tiny bubbles, man. Tiny bubbles. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, honestly this beer in particular. It, it is near and dear to my heart. Uh, you you talk about a saison style in particular, and I think it's the pinnacle of that. Um, you know, uh, it's nice. It's approachable. I I think honestly, everyone. Well, Aaron, JT, I think you guys are both going to really enjoy this. It is an approachable, um, easy drinking beer. There is just enough spice, but it's not over the top. Uh, lemon peel. Um, there's a little, a, almost like a white pepper. I, I get off of it, you know, to for the finish. It's it's really really nice. It opens up. I I've actually I I grabbed my bottle before we started recording so that. It would sort of get to room temperature, and when you pop it open, once it warms up a little bit, you get so somewhat of that farmhouse funk. Like you can sort of smell it. It almost it's almost like a uh, you know JT. You were saying something about uh, you know fermenting vomit in a um, uh, metal garbage can. A baby <laughs> diaper. Let's let's talk baby diaper. Um, but there, there's that the the yeast itself is just really unique. Um, Honestly, you talk farmhouse ale. If if you don't automatically bring saison de pont up in conversation, um, I, I I'm shocked. So I'm curious yeah. to see what you guys think. Uh, all right. Yeah. I mean, so you guys are you, gushing you, about this. Yeah. And it, I'm fixing to dumb it down like nobody's business for the rest of you people. <laughs> to go with the big bottle, the little bottle. There's like three bottle sizes out yeah. there too. Um, I, I went with the, um, I don't know what size this is at 12.7 corking cage. Um, you know, uh, didn't decided not to go with the big boy or not the little four pack, but, uh, I, you know, I bought definitely. the four pack, the 11 uh, two. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I went ahead and did the, the, the seven fifty uh, oh. corking cage ran the right? gambit well, here. Well, I, so the, the thing is, is, uh, 
again, I mentioned it's it's bottle conditioned, it's it's effervescent. Um, that that corking cage and, and that that bottle are meant to kind of handle that robust carbonation. And like we've talked about other beers being champagne like when you talk about belgian farmhouse ales this is when you're really kind of getting into that whole champagne like you know to put it into terms that people are more familiar with that yeah you know that french sparkling uh white wine that's what these saisons are really like they're re- they're really akin to that um, so you're standing this up against my favorite Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to call it champagne. I mean, hell, uh, m- maybe not exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, so, it has qualities because it, it, it finishes really, really dry. Um, mm-hmm. So unlike a, a standard beer where you will get some of that malt sweetness, it literally it just scrapes off your tongue. Oh, one of one of you guys got me back into tongue scraping from listening to the pod and going deep into it. <laughs> that was the, um, that was the first episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it, think of that and think of like just like tongue scraping the hops and that like um, that, that it, it's super dry. It just it it finishes right on the side of your tongue. It's. Uh, All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and, and get into it. Let's let's go ahead and. and uh, uh, Aaron, you got it. You got it popped open. You've got yeah, that, no, I got that that appearance and that aroma. Four. Right. So aroma I mean, you look wise. at that. Right. You, you look. You look at that appearance, and again, this is an unfiltered beer. Oh yeah. Uh, appearance first. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's cloudy. Not. Yep. Um. What do you want to call? It? You call that turbid? Is that the technical term? Cloudy's um, good. But yeah, I think, but it's not. I think cloudy super... makes more sense than turbid because it's not. It's not thick. <clears throat> okay, yeah, because right. it's not super. Like you can see through it if you you try real hard, um, but it's not crisp and clear like you think of some of the other stuff that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, when I poured it, as far as appearance, um, going back to his tiny bubbles comment, it foamed. I mean, there was a lot of head. Um, I you know, pride myself in being a pretty good at pouring a beer. And it surprised me because I thought I was going to need to kind of force some foam in it. Like I have to, with some of the IPAs we've done with dropping it in heavy. Um, and this did not need any help at all with that. And I almost foamed it out of my glass. So, um, very foamy, um, which again would, will lead back to that tiny bubbles that he was talking to. But I, I poured about a half a glass uh, which is a pint glass is what I'm drinking out of. Um, and, and dang near, you know, foamed it over the top, which is unusual. Um, but uh, it looks good. I mean, it's a nice golden color. Um, I haven't I haven't tried it yet. JT, you got anything you want to add to that? I was actually not able to find this in a bottle anywhere in Des Moines. So I went last night to a place that had it on tap. Uh, great places are a great place called the Royal Mile, and above that's the Red Monk. And Red Monk uh, does only European beers, so they had this. And to me, it was <clears throat> definitely cloudy and hazy. That's the first thing I noticed. And the color, I'd almost say, is kind of an orangish gold. It's gold, but there's a little bit more to the orange side. So it was a pleasant appearance. It definitely wasn't what we had last week or last last time with the uh, champagne of beers, whereas you could see through it. You could definitely not see through it, but 
It was a pleasant appearance, and it definitely, like as we said many times before, <clears throat> Aaron especially, it looked like beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but you, you can... You can see as as you hold it up there, Aaron, uh, just because there's so much CO2 in there and there's not enough CO2 in the atmosphere, it's not requiring nucleation to get that thing to break out. That thing is still off-gassing while yeah, it's sitting no, there, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and right? Which, you know, normally I see that and I think, oh, the glass isn't clean um, as a uh, guy that is in the chemical industry that washes glasses and stuff for a living. <laughs> living. But I know uh, for a fact at home, my beer glass is clean. Um, but it is still, yeah, it's still off-gassing. It's still got those rising little streams of bubbles in it. Um, because, And it's different when you look at it in that when you think of a dirty glass, it's typically bubbles sticking to the sides and stuff like mm-hmm. that. These just kind of appear to be coming from nowhere. Um, just it's not directly out of solution, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not coming from sticking to the sides of the glass or any of the bubbliness you see at other times. It would indicate a dirty glass. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I still haven't tried it yet. As far as the aroma part, yeah. Let's let's I, talk I, about I, that aroma. So you have that big pillowy, fluffy head, right? And you're not. You're not. It's not just that. It's it's off-gassing you're getting this good head retention it's creating a good foam like a puffy foam cap that's holding a lot of that in as well so what are you getting out of that aroma well jt has allergy allergy season so actually this one i could actually smell this is one i actually got a distinct smell i thought it was kind of musty a little bit piney um then after Musty is the first word that came to mind, but you could definitely get that little sense of pine in it, too. Um, And, yeah, it definitely was not... It was a very distinct smell, is how I would say. Um, It's definitely there. I don't have the best vocabulary to describe what I was smelling, but, yeah, it's it's definitely got an aroma to it. I think think musty is good. So we're talking... This is a farmhouse ale, right? So the three of us are Iowa boys. We understand what farmhouse smells are, even if we can explain I couldn't put my finger on the smell. Um, Musty, when you said it, clicked in my head. And it... A little bit funky. Yeah. Um, Yeah, funky. I I, I didn't think of that yesterday, but yeah. And and you know what? It kind of... The smell kind of reminds me of. Now, once you said it, it kind of clicked in my head. And it almost smells like wet hay that is on the verge of spontaneously combusting. Absolutely. This this smells like like my grandma's hayloft. 100%. 100%. I, yeah, I was just going to say, wet. there's so much, it, there's some like moist hay in this, um, you know, and that that's sort of where you're getting that like must. Yeah. And until I knew I knew the smell, that's why you you guys have probably seen me sticking my nose in this thing for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Trying to figure out exactly what that smell was. And then as soon as JT said musty, I was like, oh, Jesus, that's it. I couldn't put my finger on it right away. I'm glad Wait, your nose was working for this one, JT. Yeah, I, I, I also really appreciate that you picked out uh, a little pininess in this. This is a beer that for a while there, they were even dry hopping, which is not necessarily something commonly found in Saison's, and then they 
I believe they just later switched it to more kind of aggressive late hopping without actually doing dry hopping. But you do actually get, uh, again, there's there's so much going on. It's so complex, but you do actually get a hop presence here, here, maybe more so than I think I get out of other farmhouse ales. Uh, again, it's not like it's a hop-forward beer by any means. It's really driven by phenols and esters. But, it, like, Phil, you understand what I'm talking about. Like, there's there's a, a, a noticeable hop presence there in the in the nose as well. Yeah, for a farmhouse ale, there, there definitely is that um, old-school hop. Not when, when you're talking hops, you're not talking, like, the citrus or, yeah. you know, the galaxies, any of those crazy, you know, new hops that, you know, all the kids are raving over because um, they're late hop additions and they're hazy IPAs. So... Um, these are, these are classic style, uh, I, I joked about them before, noble hops that have that sort of piney, um, approach it honestly, just for you know, preservation. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was, it was there to make sure that the beard itself doesn't go bad. All right. So we've talked about appearance. We talked about aroma. Uh, we've gushed over this beer as much as the beer gush into your glass, I guess, Aaron. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, uh, taste, mouthfeel, and finish. The bubbliness is still very apparent. Yeah. Even though the head has dissipated on mine because I've had it poured out long enough, when you get it in your mouth, you feel it even kick up a notch from what it's doing in the glass. Um. And almost, if you take a small enough sip, it's almost like you're just drinking a foam. Mm-hmm. Like you don't feel it as though it's a, a an actual liquid. It's almost like it turns into a a foam or just a drink of head that you would expect from another beer. It'll do that to itself once you get it in there. A definitely dry. Um, to to the finish, unlike a lot of the other stuff that we've had that. Leaves a bit of a, I've said it before, slimy or slick feel in the mouth. This does not do that. Um, it's really dry and, and clean finishing uh, compared to the others. I haven't pinpointed the taste yet, so I'll defer to JT if you've got any opinions on the taste side of it. Yeah, the, for the taste, it kind of, I didn't really feel it on the front of my tongue. I felt more on the back of the tongue. You guys said earlier, it should hit you on the side. Uh, it was a little bit tart in the cheeks for me. Uh, I said it was pleasantly pungent. Uh, it's kind of how I describe it. Lingering and the aftertaste. There's a full flavor that hits you immediately, and then it fades, but it stays there for a while. So you drink it, and it's some beers we've had that are very smooth, and they just, the flavor disappears a little very quickly. This one definitely lingered for several seconds, maybe onto a minute after every sip. Like it was there and it stayed there. And I'm not much of a saison guy, but I I did enjoy this one because it was very subtle. Is not the right word, but I it was very enjoyable. It's it's clean and that dry finish again. Yes, there you go. It, right again, like that that uh, that champagne. And when I say clean, I don't mean like you know, free of, of complexity, but it's not something where, again, Aaron said it's not slick. There's no cloying quality. I don't yeah. feel like, like it's pulling the enamel off of my teeth or anything like that. 
I, Aaron, I really appreciated what you said about how it almost feels like it's foam in your mouth. Sometimes, like a really good saison to me is kind of like cotton candy. Like the experience that that you you think is that it's almost disappearing when it's in there, but not in a bad way, right? Like you're getting a good flavor, but it it it's an effortless way to experience all of those flavors, and you're not overburdening your tongue or your mouth or anything else with all of those things that it, it gets in there and it's so effervescent it, it just kind of goes light and, and and bubbly i was i was doing some some reading uh this week in the science of carbonation why do uh why do people like carbonation because you you give carbonated water to rats or to monkeys or to horses and they don't like it. So there's not anything inherent in, oh, mammals are used to that. Uh, and it really kind of seems like it, the prevailing idea is that it comes down to the slight acidity that you get out of that. You definitely get acid in this, which is a good, pleasant acid, right? It's not a vinegar acid, but it's a good, bright, JT, you said tart, but not I, I wouldn't say overwhelmingly tart acid. And the other thing is... is uh, frankly what what carbonation is doing is it's triggering pain receptors on your tongue but this is a very pleasant way to do that it's it's not like a painful carbonation it's it's just more like a a brightness it tricks you into being refreshing kind of cooling type of of sensation that you're getting out of that and then yeah again that that dry finish to me is the one of the best qualities about this beer is that you still get that farmhousey, you know, almost horse blankety, not so much Brett, but that type of character. But it's not laborious to drink. No, no. I, I'm almost done with my bottle. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, it really is. It, it, it's, it's just sharp enough. It, it's just everything enough on the tongue and on the palate that it isn't, um, uh, offensive. Um, it, you can come back to it. I, honestly, I think, you know, when you talk about a, a, a beer that pairs really well with food, this beer kicks ass in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I, anything out by a grill, um, you know, anything that has a little bit of char to go along with it, it's delicate enough to stand up to seafood, but at the same time, it has enough, you know, uh, testicular fortitude to stand up to something that's a little bit more, you know, robust. Um, so I, I, you talk about a utility player, um, for a classic style beer. And I, I think this is it. Yeah, I mean, I I could have this with a glazed ham, uh, with oyster stew, uh, with uh, both hard and soft cheeses. Like it, it really is kind of versatile on all of. Aaron has had enough to drink. I I know this is a podcast, <laughs> listeners, so you can't see. Our this is, call. This is me pretending right to be Tim with his monocle in. <laughs> This is the Monopoly a Man all of a sudden. It's a, it's a paperweight, but it's I, Tim with his 
uh, with a glazed ham and a truffle etouffee and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe I would want to maximize my experiences. What <laughs> what a snobby thing to, to just want to enjoy things, to enhance my enjoyment in life. Hoity-toity <laughs> Pretty selfish, um, man. Pretty selfish. But to bring it back in here for what you guys were talking about, it's kind of funny you're talking about matching with food because when I was drinking it last night, I had some stew because uh, the place I went to, the Royal Mall, has some incredible food, and they got this Guinness stew. And it oh wasn't a good mix, mix with that. But when I was sitting there, I'm like, man, this seems like this would be a beer that would be really good to mix with particular foods. But for some reason, the stew just wasn't a good mix to me, made my palate off. But uh, it's also funny you mentioned pleasant on it, uh, Tim, because mm-hmm. that's the word I came up with. I actually DM'd you on this yesterday for the mouthfeel. It's not a terribly – I didn't feel like it was a full beer, but it was smooth. And pleasant is the word I use. It's just – it's refreshing. Yeah. It's pleasant. It's like, oh, this this makes me feel good. It, it, it's, it actually – I think from the ability to drink in quantity, because, you know, that's what I do. I'm the idiot here. Um, This seems lighter as far as the filling being filled up by it than, say, even a Budweiser or something like that. It's a lighter beer. I don't get that full feeling from it. Um, And it's it's interesting because it is, you know, different from those, but it's... It just yeah. seems closer to a light beer from the heaviness aspect. It, it's than... it's what it's one of those things since you're not getting cloying sweetness that it doesn't come across as decadent, and I think that doesn't send the signals to your brain that I'm I'm having something decadent. I think also kind of the the paradox of of something that's so heavily carbonated is that because it's off gassing like it is, and you're drinking it the way you are you're not necessarily getting a bloated feeling even though it is really uh falling in in carbonation so i think between that but i mean this is six and a half percent so yeah it oh, drinks like sure. a light it'll, beer but it'll mess gonna... up your life if you're not paying attention I think. <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean it's i i like it a lot and i've had ales and stuff in the past right but not necessarily anything quite like this maybe um, but I do like this. I can see why Phil put it on his his desert island list um, because it, it's it's quite a bit different than really anything else we've had so far on the pod. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, we've been really IPA heavy, obviously, but we've had a couple of stouts and stuff in here too. But this is, yeah, to me, this is something I could probably just sit and drink. Until I probably wasn't awake to drink it anymore. <laughs> Phil, yeah. I think you you were gonna say something earlier. I, I mean, I no, I no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Um, I I'm thinking about how an apple fritter with uh, vanilla ice cream would pair very well with this. How the carbonation would cut through a lot of uh, fattiness. Um, and, and honestly, I got a really bad sweet tooth, so I'm probably going to go eat some ice cream after this podcast is done. You know, I, hey, I, I don't know. Hey, where the, where the <laughs> fuck is his monocle? How, how does he get away with this? <laughs> He's a guest. You're not. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. 
<laughs> so could you classify this as a dessert beer then? I think it I, I, again. I think it's a utility player. I I don't think you necessarily have to put it as a dessert beer as uh, like a it, nice big fatty steak with this. Oh, absolutely! Uh, Look at that. Really head. good Holy head, head is Tim. A really good ribeye or or <laughs> prime rib with a bunch of fat because it'll cut oh, through yeah. that. Yep. It'll clean off your palate a bit between each bite of the steak. Um. Yeah, Tim, you said soft cheeses. <laughs> right? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, Just I the, it, it would light up like a, the funkiness of a blue cheese or something. I bet it would, yep. yeah, really make that pop. Yeah. Um, get some Stilton blue cheese and go nuts. I'm looking around oh, yeah. for a monocle right now. I don't have something to <laughs> <laughs> Son of a I bitch. like to I yes. like to make fun of Tim for his snootiness, but he learned uh, <laughs> yesterday, I think it was, that I'm actually quite a bit more uh, maybe uh, cultured than he might have thought I was when it comes to food <laughs> and stuff. Because I'll eat anything, and I've tried a lot of things. So yeah, I still uh, say you have the palate of an eight year old, so that's fine. It's just because I don't like cucumber and sweet potato. Ew, I don't. Like but I'll, I'll eat that. I just don't care for it. The only the only things I don't want to eat are zucchini and cucumber. Oh yeah. man, zucchini! So, there's lots of things that I don't care for that I will still eat. Because like people. By, by, by the way, wait, pe- people. Like yeah. what? Oh, yeah. I mean that's a type Calm of meat. There, I mean, if I was starving, that'd probably. Have you ever had man? <laughs> but no, actually, uh, cucumber is actually. Brings up nice. I actually think cucumber would pair great with with this, like something nice, course bright, like a no, like a cucumber, <laughs> like a watermelon, some sort of gastrique. Uh, cucumber salad for you there, Tim. Yeah. Oh God. So at Cigar City, if it's ever made again, Aaron, I gotta send it out to you. We make a cucumber saison in your wheelhouse, man. Um, it's not nearly as like farmhouse funky as saison uh, de pont is. It, it's nice, approachable, um, very tiny bubble is very effervescent, but uh, lots of cucumber, lots of cucumber. In well, that. you know, great, if I hate it, great I'll sushi it beer. So. She probably <laughs> really love it. So. We have to do this. Oh, God, we have to if do this. If it's made again, it's coming your way. So oh, I, yeah, I am keeping you guys in mind. So you were talking about seltzers and stuff earlier and all of that, and I, I have been holding off on even trying any seltzer. I've not had one yet. You hate your life, apparently. I mean, because I've been waiting until we finally cave and do one on the pod, so that my reaction to a seltzer is genuine and a hundred percent live. <laughs> so we're because doing a seltzer soon, is the, what you're the, saying. The yeah. idea of a seltzer just kind of pisses me off. Um, but I'm I'm willing to be wrong. So I, I was. Mean, I, I, I was working on a. I spent yesterday at a brewery working on a, on a top secret seltzer project, and I don't necessarily love seltzers, but while we were packaging yesterday, and, and you know, a low fill would come off the line or or a, a mislit or something, and, and I'd be like, well, let's see how this is going. I'm like, oh, shit, I, yeah, I, I I get it. It, they're good, man. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I do you drink I, Lacroix, Polar, no, like I hate anything? That. I hate those. 
Really? So you're just yeah. flat water the, all the, the time. Sparkling water, LaCroix, that kind of I'm not I'm not a fan. I once it once you go down that rabbit hole, I I, I wish you the best. And um <laughs> <laughs> the last sparkling for, for water our listeners, Phil just made liking. the sign of the cross. <laughs> the, the, and the name of the father back. and the son. <laughs> the last sparkling water I can remember drinking any quantity of was way back in the day when they were making clearly Canadian. Bless your oh. Mary. Um, I, I miss clearly and, Canadian. Yeah, so, I mean, that's how long it's been since my wife drinks LaCroix and stuff like that all the time, and I will drink one, but I just don't really care for it. Um, oh. Like, if I don't want to drink a water and that's the only other thing in the house, I'll drink one. But rarely is that the only other thing in the house because there's either milk or beer somewhere in so the is house. your wife into the seltzers like has i don't she know if she's ventured down that path i don't know if she's had one i think she's has had one and she thought it was okay um you, you she's talk not a wife? huge beer drinker so do you, like you and your wife you, you interact <laughs> um well, because I travel a lot, not so much. <laughs> um, usually, she like just... vodka soda. Oh, for sure, yeah. So she would totally be yeah. into the seltzer game. You should yeah. just come home and, and, and be like, "Babe, the... I surprised you." That's the Look, funny part. I'm a huge vodka tonic. Guy. Try something else. Uh, so you know what? You're a huge Joe's vodka wrong. tonic guy. You'll like this. I love vodka tonics with a lime yeah. in them. Big, yeah. big vodka tonic. Don't, so go. Yeah. So you got to go lime seltzer to jump off, and and honestly, it's got to be White Claw. Um, I really like the lime uh, Wild Basin. Uh, if you like real lime, it, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, Joel's wrong, and everything that Joel ever says uh, truly <laughs> is not the way to go. Um, exactly. So. Um, White Claw or Wild Basin, in my opinion, the most realistic lime flavor. And that's a really good sort of gateway drink. And, and it I, is and a I've, gateway drink. I've heard some of them are, are sweeter than others. And I think what I like about a vodka tonic is that it's not sweet. Yeah. That's um, why you want to try those two. Yeah. yeah. I, Joel um, likes the, the Truly Lemonades. Joel also likes Malort. So... We have to think right. everything. All right, all right, all right, all right. There's nothing wrong with the Malort. Um, <laughs> so, why, well, I why mean, is it I that mean, every pit- bar? No, why is it that bartenders love Malort? Like, I, there's a place that isn't open now by my house. That's a really great. It's not a craft beer place, but it's a craft cocktail place, and all the people there drink Malort. Well, because those pants aren't going to shit themselves. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, gee, Chuck, the date started off fine, and then I oh, and there's gosh. nothing wrong with Malort, but I'm glad that it got brought up. So, uh, <laughs> definitely a quality liquor right there. Um, well, let's listen to the next uh, podcast that drops here in the next couple of days, and fantastic. Hear, Joel hear... Joel records ours with Minnie, so I really hope he actually drank during yours. Um, typically we'll just have a bottle and we'll just pull off of it. Uh, again, Mike, the third co-host just does not care for Malort very much at all. So, uh, Joel and I have similar palates with the exception of truly he's just wrong. Um, and it's okay to be wrong. Um, you know, everybody has to be wrong every once in a while. Except for me. 
So, <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, we we established that earlier in the episode. Well, yeah. I mean, my spot on take on Dale's um, <laughs> is the perfect example of that. Which, which JT has right now, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah I've always got in yeah. my fridge a beer that JT always has, and I dumped all over it. That's the um, beer that I drank during a Avalanche playoff game. No, Avalanche. No, a game game eighty two against the St. Louis Blues, where the winner of that game went to the playoffs. The loser went home, and I drank several of those, and then got back to my Airbnb or my hotel. Got back to my hotel. And woke up clutching a jersey I don't remember buying. <laughs> which, Sounds like if a you buy it at a game, it's definitely not cheap at all. And yeah, but no, Dale's Pale Ale, and thanks to this podcast, Sierra, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is always in my uh, fridge. Trying to get it in cans now is hard because it's so much better in a can than it is a bottle. But yeah, but Dale's, Dale's is oh, such a damn good beer. That seems counterintuitive. Bottles are always better than cans. Oh no, no, no! no. Tim, Tim turned me onto the can thing. Tim is definitely right on oh, that. My goodness! And your face is counterintuitive, Aaron. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've known that for forty-two years now. So <laughs> there you yeah, go. Uh, Hence the reason he doesn't really know what's going on with his wife. She's also staying away. <laughs> yeah, works for us. <laughs> She doesn't know how unlucky she is. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, well, b- before we kind of like wrap up, uh, Phil, anything else you want to talk about, Cezanne DuPont? Uh, again, I'm just super excited that you picked this beer. It's always been one of my favorites. I'm frankly ashamed I didn't put it on my desert island. Um, and having this again tonight, is, it's just like it. it's hitting all of those things. You get more of a hot presence than I think you get a lot of out of a, a lot of other saisons. It's just so clean on the finish. There's nothing sitting on my tongue that is heavy. Uh, it disappears in your mouth in a good way. It like it. You you told these guys that they'd like this beer, and and I I think you hit the nail on the head. This is this is a good one. So anything but- else you want to say about it? Honestly, if you haven't had it in a while, I'd highly recommend everyone going out and trying uh, retrying it just to sort of see where your taste uh, is. If you've never had it before, go out and find it because this is truly one of the beers that is the foundation of import craft beer. Um, you know, you look at Samuel Smith, you look at uh, some of these other import beers that are tried and true. Uh, they've been around forever. Um, Saison de Pont is one of those. And when you look at the pinnacle of a Saison, um, stop drinking the beers with the marshmallows in them. Go out and actually try something that's legit. Um, and, and, and grab a bottle of this. Support the guys that have been out there. You know, somebody said Sierra Pale. Um, JT, I think you did. Uh, yeah. Legacy beers are why we are here today. The legacy beers built the roadway and the path for us to sit here as you know four opinionated guys to have a discussion about craft beer and and i think it's amazing and and we need to go back as a community and retry these beers over and over again just to sort of see where they're at 
Yeah, absolutely. I I love the fact that a, a beer like this really gives uh, four bearded white guys a voice finally. <laughs> <laughs> We've been marginalized for so long. Yes. Um, where, am I, where are my white Oakleys at right now? <laughs> yeah. It's a it's that's really funny. Um it is a really good beer. Get out there, try it. Um Phil, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh we really appreciate it. Um hopefully maybe Tim can come on and ruin your podcast for you, uh, unlike you who have made ours better. <laughs> Tim can come on and ruin yours for you. Um, sometime yeah. as as our expert, um, or if you want a really bad take, uh, such as mine, apparently, on Dale's Pale Ale, which I still think you guys are wrong. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'd be happy to give you all kinds of bad takes on things. Um, but uh, again, we want to uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, yeah, this has uh, been great. I I hope you're open to coming back on, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you guys want, please, uh, and just let me know. Uh, it's it, I've I've had a blast. Sweet. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a lot of fun. That's what we're trying to do here. People is have fun. Don't think anything we're saying all too seriously. Uh, get out and try this beer specifically. I'm gonna uh, get up on my soapbox here and say. Get out there, try this beer of the beers we've had on this podcast that I've never had before. Uh, this one is really stellar. It's really, really good beer. Um, the other ones I've liked, this one I think I could really drink a lot of if I wanted to. Um, I probably want to because I got three left. But uh, <laughs> get out and try this beer while you're trying new things. Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, DeadeyeBarbecueSauce.com, Sweet, Medium Heat, Magnum, four new superfood uh, varieties. Um, I think it's pomegranate and acai and a dragon fruit and something else I can't maybe pronounce. Some fruits I think only exist in Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't had a chance to try them yet, but let me tell you this. Um, everything I've tried from those guys is phenomenal. Um, if you're into that Midwestern Kansas City style barbecue sauce, it's not the super vinegary stuff uh, like you'd get out of North Carolina or whatever. Um, it's it's really, really good. Yeah, Phil, uh, uh, by the way, Joel set a, a standard uh, right after the last podcast, he ordered some Deadeye. He had three bottles of, of Deadeye uh, delivered to his house. So he, he also has a smoker, so you should force him to invite you over. Um, I, I we're 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 working on a throwdown right now. I, <laughs> grilling is my my happy place. I'm planning on a. Uh, you know, we're recording this Labor Day weekend, and uh, my weekend is filled with barbecuing. So um, I will definitely have to check out that dead eye. So. Yeah. Also, um, I saw it today, and I don't know if you saw it, Tim. Um, well, the is it Pat? I'm right now, I'm blanking because I'm five beers in with two T's from from Kansas City that you had on when I was oh, Pat, gone. Yeah, yeah, Pat Fannin, yeah. Um. Re either retweeted or tweeted a thing with a cup for some t-shirts on it today. Yeah. Um, go out and find that. 
Uh, I'm going to be buying one of those T-shirts if you haven't seen that. Uh, what's his handle, Tim? Do you remember offhand? Uh, Pat's hot. Pat's hopped up. Yeah, so find him on Twitter. It's about barbecue and Kansas City area barbecue. It's a really cool uh, T-shirt design that he put out. Uh, I saw today. Uh, some some of it, the profits are, I think, are being donated to a charity. So I saw that today, and I'll definitely be picking one of those up. Also, listen to all the other pods on the Tailgate Society. We mentioned them earlier. I'm not going to mention them all again because there's more than I care to remember right now um, because we've got a lot of really good people putting out a lot of really great content at the Tailgate Society. And again, Phil, thank you so much. We are happy that you were able to join us. Um, we've probably kept you up past your East Coast bedtime here as it's closing in on midnight. And uh, thanks again, and I hope everybody enjoys this episode a lot, and we will see you next time on Bitter.